Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Dr. Starla Fitch. Starla is an internationally acclaimed eye specialist, wellness expert, life coach, inspirational keynote speaker, and best-selling author who has made it her life's mission to help people see more clearly, literally and figuratively. In her acclaimed TEDx talk, Connect or Die, The Surprising Power of Human Relationships, she shares secrets to our distorted views of people and situations. Known as The Connection Doctor, Starla is author of the number one international bestseller, Remedy for Burnout. She's regularly featured on national and local media outlets, including CBS, NBC, Fox, and NPR. She's a featured blogger for Kevin MD and The Huffington Post, where her article, The Secret Lives of Doctors, went viral, reaching over 99,000 readers. She speaks to audiences around the world on the importance of connection and her four steps from burnout to balance. Starla has received the Patient's Choice Award and the Most Compassionate Doctor Award, received by less than 3% of physicians in the U.S. She's also been honored by her colleagues, including election into the prestigious Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Starla and her oral surgeon husband, Chris Vandewater, combine their love of travel with service by participating in a medical mission to Africa. Starla's only enemies are her neighbors, who cringe when she and her husband practice their electric guitars. Welcome, Starla, to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Ursula. It's my pleasure to be here. So, You have a very interesting career in that you started down this path of uh, being a physician after having an initial career, and and, and feel free to talk about that. But now you've branched out and you're you're doing some really interesting things in the realm of of really personal development and uh, transformational work. So could you talk about what drew you to have this work in particular, this business? Um, sure. It's interesting because when I first started out, I did have sort of a roundabout way of getting into medical school. I wasn't one of those people who knew when I was growing up that I wanted to be a doctor. In fact, I started out in sociology um, working for the Virginia Center on Aging, and I would show up. I was working in the hills of Virginia, so Picture me in my old Volkswagen Beetle showing up unannounced to strangers' homes and saying, hey, can I come into your home and do a needs assessment survey for the elderly? (laughs) And shockingly, this was before cell phones, Ursula and Google (laughs) and MapQuest. So I was just a woman, you know, going into the hills in that old Beetle. And 
people would invite me in and serve me lunch, and it was amazing that none of us were afraid. <laughs> so, um, and what I discovered is that they really didn't care about Meals on Wheels or another class at the senior center. They would bring out all their medicines for me and ask me, like, what's this pink pill for? Mm-hmm. And being in sociology, of course, I had no idea either. So back then, and even today, there's a thing called the PDR, Physician Desk Reference. It's a book as big as a house. That's <laughs> all the pills. So I started toting that around with me. And these older people were so upfront and just grateful that after doing that for several months, I decided that I wanted to go to medical school. And um, I remember calling up my folks from from my uh, little tiny apartment in Virginia, telling them the, the great news, and I was so excited. And, and at first there was silence on the other end of the phone, and then my dad said, that is the dumbest idea you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was crushed. And he, he said, I don't support you on this at all. Wow. And, um, and he didn't. And then, because it took me, being in sociology, of course, I didn't have much science background, so it took me several years to go back and do the pre-med and then go to med school. And at my med school graduation on on the card that he and my mom gave me, he just wrote, guess I was wrong. Wow. I know. Um, So, you know, one thinks after making it through that funny route of getting there and it's like ta-da you know all is well um over time after I finished all my training I went through a period of deep burnout myself where things that I thought I knew were just not correct um I can remember being in the emergency room and a patient had tried to commit suicide by shooting himself in the mouth. And when, and this was a common problem in, uh, in ophthalmology because there's a kickback with the gun. And so instead of shooting their brains, they end up putting, doing serious damage to their eyes. Mm. And I would see this honestly, like several times a year. Um, and so I'm going over everything and he's completely coherent, but a big mess because, you know, he missed and didn't blow his brains out. He, and I said, we'll do what I can, but I'm concerned about this right eye. I might have to take it out. And he's mad at me and he's saying, damn it, you got to save my eye. Like it's my fault. Hmm. Um, so after you have many episodes like that, um, you sort of start doubting yourself that maybe you, maybe my dad was right, Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dumbest idea ever. And after going through, you know, several things like that, I remember walking down the hall with uh, another doctor who I thought hung the moon. And he said, you know, this job would be great if it weren't for the patients. Hmm. And he kind of laughed and so did I. But then I looked on his face and I realized he was on the edge of burnout. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
okay, not only is it okay that that I am burned out, but that means there's a ton of other people just like us. Sure. So that got me on the path of how can I dig myself out? How can I help other people that I know? Um, and the more I talked about it and just came um, through the honest truth of being burned out, the more people started reaching out to me like, you know, me too, me too. And then I, I realized that I could help other people just by telling them my path and how I got to get to the other side to where now I'm happy to say I'm still working full time as a surgeon. I love my patients. I am not, you know, coming, crying all the way home like I was doing when I was burned out. Um, and, and I think that the atmosphere that we have in the operating room and in the office is so much better for the patients and for all of us that I just want to be able to let other people have access to that. So that was a really long answer to a short question. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I, I'm just so, um, I don't believe I've ever, uh, you and I have known each other for a number of years, and I don't believe I've ever heard that story about your dad being in opposition. Usually parents hear doctor, yeah. and they're, they're all excited about it. So you really stayed with the vision of what you wanted to accomplish and the impact you wanted to have in a different way from what you were able to do in your previous work. And through some, you know, some uh, serious obstacles in that and financial being uh, not the smallest of that. But, um, yeah, and I, I know that you do some really amazing things on a day-to-day -day basis in your operating room that really um, help people that you work with be present to what, what you're doing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um a few years ago in the hospital that I do most of my surgery at, we had a real problem with morale and it was in the toilet really. Um, we'd had a, some fancy people come in as often as the case who were not part of the hospital that came in to tell us how to make things better and these overseers did a lot of changes that every week the nurses in the OR would complain about different changes that were being made and then finally they said they took away the coffee pot in the break room and I was like now you're messing with me. <laughs> uh, it was just ridiculous and um and they you know there was a constant complaint fest so finally I said I I really am having trouble giving positive energy to my surgery to you know you you go in and you set your intention that you're going to do a great job and that everything's going to go well but there was so much negative energy. I said, here's what we're going to do in my room. I can't, I can't change everything, but we're going to each name three things we're grateful for every single time I'm here. And if somebody comes in to give a break, they're going to name their, what they're grateful for. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the nurse, the scrub tech, the anesthesiologist, you know, the, the mop 
cleaner upper guy, you're still going to have to name your three things. And at first there was pushback. They would make fun of me in the hallways like, oh, man, I don't want to go in her room today. (laughs) I don't have my grateful things. Um, But then over the weeks and months, it really caught on. And people would text in from our satellite locations. Like they'd say, oh, I'm in Dr. Fitch's room today. And other anesthesiologists would say, "Here, tell her here's my grateful list for today. Wow. And they'd send in their three things. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, and now it's really fantastic because I have, you know, nurses come in and they have printed out like some kind of mindfulness quote or things like that. And I walk in and everybody's, we're all giving each other a hug and, you know, they're sharing pictures of their kids and it's a completely different atmosphere. So I, I think that it's changed things. It isn't the whole change, but it's changed us enough. And then it was funny, Ursula, but a couple months ago I had a patient come in about a week after her surgery and she said, oh, I really like that intention thing that you do in the pre-op area, and and I didn't want to go, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, um, good, and she said, yeah, you know, when you say how everything's going to go well and all this other stuff, and and it struck me that maybe a year or two ago, I had a patient who's very, very nervous, and it it's appropriate to be apprehensive about surgery, but sometimes people are over the top nervous Mm -hmm. and there's sort of nothing you can do to relax them. And you're trying to say, this is really going to be fine, you know? Um, And I get it that it's surgery. And finally I had said to this lady a couple years ago, I just touched her shoulder and looked her right in the eyes and said, I'm setting my intention for your surgery to go real well with easy healing and a good result. And and we just kind of looked at each other and we kind of nodded. And I realized that not only was that great for her, but it was great for me because you're in a busy situation. You've just got a few moments to be like, what out, what are you allergic to again, ma'am? And, you know, all those checkoff things on our list. Mm-hmm. And that sort of just was our connection. And everybody saw me do that. And there's like a pause that the team just kind of stops and we all kind of take a breath for a minute. And I found that so valuable that then I started doing it just routinely, almost like, so what are you allergic to? And, and, you know, when did you last eat? And all those questions that you hear being asked in the pre-op area that I come to do it so often I really didn't look at it as my intention practice. It was sort of like part of my checklist. Mm -hmm. So it was cute that she had said that. That's an amazing thing that you're doing on an ongoing basis and on a daily basis. And I, I can't help but feel that that level of mindfulness and conscious intention has, I mean, there's research to support that. I'm sure you're aware of it. And in that kind of energetic aspect of healing and medicine that really is called on and comes into play, as well as the connection that you're making with the patient and your colleagues, which 
has a, a positive benefit as well. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. I love how you step past the expectation of what you're supposed to do in a very kind of, um, clinical environment, which tends to be sort of left brain oriented that you're bringing in this, this spiritual, really spiritual kind of component into your practice and into people's daily work lives. It's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And I know your work is now kind of branched out beyond um, physicians and, and you're now talking about connection in the larger realm of human connection. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I'm going to be talking to a group of um, women business entrepreneurs uh, in a couple months at a big gathering down in Miami. And I was fortunate enough to do my TED Talk. And um, I think people appreciate the fact that it's okay to just be vulnerable and let people know that all those people that you think have the golden life or a silver spoon in their mouth or something, chances are very good that they're just like us. Mm-hmm. They're, they, you know, ran into the mailbox on their way to work. Or <laughs> you know, they, um, you know, they woke up cranky, they forgot to get milk at the store, and now they have to have their coffee without it. All, all those things, we're all just, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder making it through. And, and I think that that's why my, my message has sort of morphed into going beyond the doctor land because it's funny, my patients are, they'll, They'll say, oh, wait, you're not going to be here next week. I'm like, no, well, I'm going to do this thing. And and when they hear that I talk to people, even especially to doctors about burnout, they're like, wait, doctors are burned out? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why should you be burned out? You know, I'm like, oh, we're all we're all burned out. Imagine teachers and um, but we all have. I think something like 63% of, of people in the U.S. have some degree of burnout. Mm. Wow. So um, I think just being up front and saying, yeah, me too. Yeah. Do you feel that that's part of the impact that you have with your work, that you're helping people feel like they, they're not alone in this? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, people feel that we have that so problem where we're not enough. And, you know, I've talked about this personally because I think as women and as business women and entrepreneurs, we look, we're always looking at the comparison. And comparison is such the enemy of good because we look at the people who we think are doing fantastic. And think, oh, we are not, who am I to be that person? Who am I to go and talk to these people? But really, who are you not to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's that great Marianne Williamson quote that I can never remember, but the essence of it is, who are you not to shine your light or to 
do the work that you're meant to do. Exactly. Yeah. What's the most important way that you feel you have impact on your on your clients, on your patients, on the people that you work with? I think the most important way we can all impact with each other and one of the things that I try to give my patients and my clients is deep listening. We all just want to be heard and it's so surprising that we buzz through life and we don't pay attention to even our loved ones very closely. We don't do it with intention or with malice, but we're not really paying attention very well. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a profound thing to really be heard and know that the other person really saw you Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Did you always feel that you wanted to connect with people and and really be of service because your whole career has really been about that but um did was it something that's been part of you since you were a child or did that come come to you as an adult or hmm. um it's interesting i think that When I was a kid, when I was two, my parents got a divorce. And so the person who I talk about as my dad is my second dad. Um, And going through all that, and we had to live with a great aunt and uncle who were awesome. Um, They were were like, I think they were 90 when we moved in with them. And my Aunt Agnes... um, had extremely bad arthritis so bad that they needed ramps in the house mm-hmm. so because she was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. so what that meant to me as being three and four years old is that I got to ride my bike in the house <laughs> Just, <laughs> which I thought that was normal um, so I think that I was taught as a very young age to help others like because they were super older and a little bit infirm that we were, and we were very grateful that we got to stay with them um, when my first dad left. So I was always, you know, setting my Aunt Agnes's hair and, you know, helping with dinner even as a young age. So I think, and trying to make sure that they were happy. Mm-hmm. And that's probably something um, that taught me at an early age, how to connect with people who weren't like me at all. They they weren't little kids that you were playing with in nursery school or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the evolution of that, of, of caring for people and uh, being of, of, and helping them, your scope of that has really expanded. I mean, as a doctor, you obviously have uh, a lot of effect on the patients that you're working with, but now your scope is getting much bigger. Having been on a TED Talk, you're visible from anywhere in the world. And um, is that something that you feel has kind of evolved too, that you feel that you want to reach people with this message? I do. I think... Um 
people talk about leaving a legacy and um, having an impact. And my husband and I didn't get to have kids. We have lovely nieces and nephews that are awesome. <laughs> um, and we try to influence them in many ways so that they will remember their Aunt Starla and Uncle Chris when we're old and need help. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that what I feel is my legacy, Ursula, is that message of connection and that you have to just treat every single person as best you can as if they were your very favorite relative. Hmm. Um, it, you know, don't get me wrong. There are days when somebody pulls out in front of me and I want to, you know, honk my horn until the policeman come and pull me over. But, <laughs> um, you know, you just have to say, okay, well, maybe they're, they have a sick child in the backseat and they're trying to get them home soon or, um, you know, you have to give everybody, I, I find I'm so surprised over and over that I'm just getting these messages from God and the universe. When I think a patient, for example, is being overly um, aggravating about something like asking way too many questions, you know, before surgery and calling frequently or whatever, and then I find out oh, they were just worried about their surgery and mm -hmm. I had it wrong that that they were aggravating. Mm -hmm. So people continue to show themselves as, as the wonderful people they are if we would just let them. It's really about perspective and vision, as you yep. so appropriately put it in your, yeah, that's great. Is there, are there ways in which the work that you do, the impact that you have, is it reflective of your personal values? Are there values that you really hold dear that, that really influence that impact? Um, I think that anytime you're in business, I like to think that everything I do is reflecting the values of be a good person and, um, you know, sort of the golden rule. Um, it doesn't seem to matter what, what your job description is. I was reading recently, I think it was in Forbes, that people who have higher job satisfaction are when they are able to step outside their their box of job description. For example, they had some janitors in a hospital who started just as they were mopping up the floors in the patient's room, they would say, oh, do you want some more water or maybe another box of tissues? Mm -hmm. And they, the janitor's job satisfaction increased tremendously because they were able to be of service right. and outside their usual box. But you know that that was something that they felt in their heart like, boy, these people are in the hospital. They're sick. I bet they might 
be thirsty and the nurses are busy and let me help out a little bit. Mm. And that impacted on on their well-being. So I think we're all doing that to some degree. Yeah, that's great to be able to just respond to other people in the moment rather than have it be constrained by what you think you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I've been talking with people about is this whole area of um, being really drawn by a vision or a mission of what you need to be doing in the world um, and then working so much that you kind of lose sight of, of taking care of yourself. And you certainly have talked about that in, in the context of burnout. Are there self-care things that you do that uh, helps you maintain your energy level and allows you to have the impact that you want to have? Are there other aspects that are particularly important to you that you do on a regular basis to maintain that? Yeah, my main self-care, I'm chuckling to myself because I am early to bed, early to rise kind of a girl. Right. And that works out great since I'm a surgeon and we start early. I get up literally at 4.15 in the morning. Wow. Um, and part of the beauty of that is most people are not up then, and including my husband, and so it's quiet, and I have time. Um, every morning I try and start my day not with, apparently 85% of people start their day checking their email. <laughs> and um, I, sure, I have that impulse to find out what's going on, but I don't, and I try and read something that is, um, uplifting and meaningful to me. Um, I the night before I've kind of thought about made my little mini list of what my day is going to look like. I know that when I spend even I like to spend at least twenty minutes in the morning meditating. But if I don't have that, even if I have like three minutes, mm-hmm. um, this morning I was in a bit of a hurry because I was putting out some fires and so I didn't get time to meditate. And what I found is I trick myself on my drive into the operating room this morning. Whenever I see, and I've done this before when I've been short on time to get my mind on the right path, when I see a red car mm-hmm. on the interstate, mm-hmm. that's a signal for me to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And then, and honest to Pete, Ursula, there were like 20 red cars (laughs) in the the 20 minutes I had to drive to the operating room. So I was like, okay, see, look at how you actually meditated on your drive um, with your eyes open. Um, So I, I think all of that is important. And, you know, people in medicine, we are some of the worst about taking care of ourselves because... You can't really eat and drink properly when you're doing surgery for three hours or six hours. Um, You just, I I wrote a blog that uh, said doctors don't do lunch because we really, it's (laughs) like you're eating half a power bar in between um, cases or something. But you have to find time for yourself when you can. But the morning, I think, to me is my savior um, in setting my day and that, that seems to help a lot. But then by about eight thirty or nine at night, I'm 
I'm ready to hit the hay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like you. I'm a very early riser, too. And it's there's something very peaceful about that early morning time. But I love how you've um, created a practice of the, the red car being a trigger to incorporate even something as simple as the breathing as a way to reconnect and ground yourself if you even if you don't have time to meditate on a particular day. What a great, what a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there obstacles or barriers that you've had in making the impact that you want to have? And uh, would you share a situation and, and let us know how you were able to move through that? Mm. Oh, do we have more than a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I'm just trying to th go through my Rolodex in my head and see what would be the, I think certainly being a woman surgeon is a bit of an obstacle back when I, I've been doing this for 20 years and when I first started out it there weren't as many women in medicine and um, certainly not as many women surgeons. And you had to really go above and beyond to prove yourself that you were indeed going to be worthy of that spot in medical school. Um, and it's interesting, but I think that Sometimes I felt that other colleagues were not as supportive of me. Um, it seemed like if I was fighting about something that I didn't think was right, it was sort of poo-pooed and that sort of got into the, oh, because you're a woman kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. right. um, and then I had to step back and look at myself and decide if that was really true. Was that going to, was that going to be my story? Mm. Um, and, and I bring that element, I think, to my coaching and my speaking because we all start out with a story that we tell ourselves like, Oh, if only X, Y, Z, if only I lost this 10 pounds, if only the quarterback would have invited me to the prom, if only um, I got that great teacher instead of this one, then fill in the blank, my life would be great, I'd be go off and live happily ever after. But it turns out that a lot of times we're sending out those those negative impulses to people and they're they're just responding to what we're sending out and once I realized that if I approached the situation with positivity um, the turnaround is amazing just to reach out and for example I've started um, I started this practice about a month ago of sending out an email of gratitude every single morning before I leave the house 
just randomly to people that I know. And some are people who perhaps we've had grumpy relationships with in the past, but you know, they still have been helpful to me. And you can find, you can always find something to be grateful for with that individual. And so I've said just like two sentence thank yous to individuals every single day. And the response, Ursula, has been amazing. People that I thought were sort of in the business world and, and corporations as someone I would sort of be fighting with over some business decision would email me back like, oh my gosh, thank you for acknowledging all the hard work I'm doing on this project and I value our friendship. And I, it would just floor me that I'm like, oh, they think we have a friendship? Okay, so that's interesting. And then it's like, okay, so I've been sending the wrong message to this individual. Mm-hmm. And when you take that out of the equation, you realize you were just holding yourself back. What a great realization. And that's so profound about the the power of gratitude and expressing appreciation for another person. That's amazing. I, I think we all have far more influence than we may think we have. And why not put it to a positive use and you've certainly actively done that. I'm, I'm so impressed by how thoughtful you are about these practices and how you're choosing to reach out to people. Thanks. It, it's, it becomes more like a good habit. You know, they say like different people wake up. Um, if you wake up going, Oh, you know, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. The minute you wake up, that's your thought. Then your day is, probably not going to go as well as you wished. And for the longest time, I I wake up and I say to myself, something wonderful is going to happen to me today. And now after I get that, and that's sort of my foggy brain as I'm stumbling, you know, towards the coffee pot. Um, and then I think to myself, who am I going to thank today? Because I know I'm going to send my email out. And And it's really fun because then you're like, well... Let's see. And, and you just got like, oh, you know, it's like Christmas. Ending <laughs> something like, well, gosh, I could think that. Oh, oh no, maybe this. Part. Oh, yeah, this one. And you'd like there's not enough days in the week to send them all out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What a great practice. Yeah. Is there is there advice or insight you would share with uh, another business owner or leader who is asking themselves, how can I have a positive effect on my world, on what I'm doing and the environment that I am in? Is there something you would share with them to um, help them to do that more effectively? I think the key, Ursula, is just be brave and do it. (laughs) Um, If I can change surgeons into being appreciative and naming three things that they're grateful for without rolling their eyes, (laughs) then I think attorneys, um, 
engineers, you know, all those people that we picture as being very tightly wound and not open to change are actually just waiting to be shown how things can can improve. Hmm. Yeah, it's that one brave person who changes things, does something different and suggests it and gets the ball rolling and it it kind of gives everyone else permission. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much Starla. I'm uh, you know, I'm I, I think you're an amazing person and I just really love how you have chosen from the ground up to have an impact on the immediate environment that you're in on, on your colleagues, your patients, and now in the larger world and the speaking and the, the coaching that you're doing. Um, it's just amazing to see how you're uh, really having this impact and helping people to understand the, the nature of connection and how we can better be present for each other. So thank you so much for being here today. I really love thank having you. It's my pleasure. Um, and I wanted to let your listeners know that if they have any questions, um, they can get me at info at starlafitchmd.com, S-T-A-R-L-A, F as in Frank, F-I-T-C-H-M-D.com. And right now I have a really fun thing. It's called the 7-Day Happiness Challenge. Hmm. If you go to starlafitchmd.com, it's a free uh, seven-day thing that I wrote up. It took me, you know, a few months to put it together, but I've gotten a lot of good feedback about it, and it's things that are not doctor-specific. It's things how to manage your time better and get more clarity your goals are in life, and um, I had a lot of fun writing it, and um, I'd love your listeners to take a look at it and tell me what they think. Great. Well, thanks for offering that, Starla. I appreciate it. I uh, And I appreciate you sharing how people can get in touch with you um, as well. So thank you again for being here and, and for your time and, and your wonderful energy. Thank you, Ursula. It's my pleasure, and I'm delighted that we have such a good connection. <laughs> Me too. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact. Join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.